Thank you for tuning in to this edition of J-Cal's View. I'm your host, J-Cal. This is a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. These are my journeys, the journeys of a journalist, the chronicles of a content creator, where I pontificate about pro wrestling. And today, well, today is like any other day. So much to do, so little time to do it. Um, with the big news of this week's edition of NWA Power, set to feature the Rock and Roll Express challenging for the NWA World Tag Team titles from Royce Isaacs and Thomas Latimer, I thought I would have a special episode of this J. Cal's View to commemorate the Rock and Roll Express back in the National Wrestling Alliance. Of course, the uh, Rock and Roll Express made their re-debut for this incarnation of the National Wrestling Alliance back at the Crockett Cup, where they took on the meanest sons of bitches this planet's ever seen. I'm talking about them boys, the Briscoes. And, uh, of course, the match didn't end the way that either team had wanted but prior to that match, we had an opportunity to be a part of the VIP meet and greet with uh, not only the Rock and Roll Express, but the uh, Midnight Express. And that would be, you know, uh, it was part of the uh, part of the festivities of that weekend. And uh, the video, unfortunately, the video didn't really make it, had some tech issues on site. So... I wasn't able to capture the entire interview from video, but I was able to capture the audio. And, well, you know, I'm a sharing guy and I'd like to share it with you guys to commemorate the Rock and Roll Express. So after this uh, brief message, let's listen to the Rock and Roll Express. You're literally 20 feet in front of you if you're in the front row, 40 feet through the back row. Does anybody have any questions that come to mind immediately? I like this hands already. Make my job easy. What was your guy's favorite Jim Cornette moment you guys had? And there's been a lot of Jim Cornette moments. I'll give with this up tonight. We used to uh, really enjoy playing ribs on Cornette because uh, he always sold them very well. He was he was deathly afraid of any kind of insect. Uh, one night uh, I, I bought a package of these little package of these little ants. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, we had an outside show at a baseball stadium. You, you may have read this story. Okay, well, I won't go into it then. But anyway, another time I, I got him real good, I was in a restroom, and I saw this lime green moth on the, on the wall. And it was almost dead, but I reached for it. It was about, the wingspan was probably about four inches. And, and the antenna looked like really gnarly. And when I went to reach for it, the wings kind of moved. I knew it wasn't dead, but anyway, I, I picked it up. I went back to the car, I put it on the seat beside him where I knew he'd be getting in. And sure enough, when he got in the car, <clears throat> I turned around, oh my God, stand on start, don't start that. I said, no, seriously, there's something beside you, Jimmy. And when he looked over there and saw that moth, he just went ballistic. He tore the car, it was a rental car. Bobby, you remember that? Yeah. And he, he was trying to get out of the car. When he finally got out of the car, he was so mad, he slammed the door and he starts kicking the, the outside of the car door. He, he did the whole side of the car. He was so mad and so scared. So we were always doing kind of fun stuff to him like that. 
Yeah, my story is about Kim Horner, about the same as Stan and Dennis and Jordan. He was really scared of bugs a lot, you know. And Stan bought them ants in the store, you know, we weren't fake ants. And Stan started selling them, like, ow, you know, GD. And then when he raised his leg up, they're all in, Kim Horner went crazy. Yeah, that's about it. I don't have any. And now to join us on the stage, four-time NWA World Tag Team Champions, the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I thought you were going to stop for a second, so I, uh, I messed up. My timing's way off. I like you did a running thing, though. Now, I actually have a question just to start this off. You, as tag teams, have had history for decades now. When you're in the moment, back in the day, was there a part of you that thought what we're doing today is going to matter 30 years from now? And, because obviously it does. Your names have just basically been written in the history books as individuals that represent something that still, as we can see here from the fact that NWA's been brought back, still matters to fans all through the world. And especially now with the internet and everything, I grew up in Connecticut, I didn't get a lot of chance to see things except on VHS, but now literally a whole generation can see the history of everything that you gentlemen have done. You know, first of all, I'm going to start off by saying that our business has been at the right place at the right time. I had a lot of people ask me about the match we had not long ago. you got to look here sitting on this stage. At our time, these guys were the best in the world. You, and you got to understand what I'm talking about, but being at the right place at the right time. Because most territories, and I say it, were either owned by a babyface that pushed herself. Robert and I, at the right moment, the right time, went into a territory where the booker didn't wrestle, the owner didn't wrestle. So they, we got put into a position as being the top baby faces in the territory, which we already could work, but it was a whole new thing. Now going, before y'all even see us at NWA, we were in the Mid-South area with the Midnight Express, it was owned by Bill Watts. A whole different time where our business was still sinking, where our business was a business, and when, this is one of the most important things, is when the boys depended on each other to make a living. We didn't have million dollar contracts. But I know when we first started, the first aim uh, in Louisiana that you know you're going to have something special is when you show up in a town and you're at a wrestling match and the people camped out for a week in front of the building to buy tickets to watch the Rock and Roll Express face the Midnight Express. Right then and there, I said, man, we got something special going on here. The business was different. I'm not trying to compare nothing to this or nothing. But, we, and, but guys like that, many guys that work for top name companies, you see these guys are the cream of the crop. They're all best in the world. Every wrestler that you even understood back then was great in our, in our business because we understood that we we played off each other to make a living. 
But as the time progressed on, we went from uh, Louisiana to NWA, where uh, Jimmy Crockett at the time was taking over TBS, Nationwide TV. And then you really know something, because we didn't go to a town once a year. <clears throat> we wrestled in the same town in a week. Now, I'd like you to think about that. It may even cost me. And I gotta say this, the man sat here on the corner, Robert High. We just young baby faces, dude, I'm telling you. And you said something earlier, you know, we didn't have social media in our days. And thank God we didn't. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You thought about it? Not only did we did a lot of things we liked, the ones we liked, we tried twice. And I was set that up, but, but working in a ring, we had the greatest pleasure in the world, one of the greatest masters that told the story of the business. You guys got to understand, this is every night. Dennis, then, I mean, he, Dennis directed traffic. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And Bobby, the greatest, one of the greatest people of all time. And then you got, <laughs> and I used to tell Stan all the time, I said, man, if I was a girl, you'd be my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got to understand the, the gimmick of going together and putting, you know, the, the Express versus the Express. It's just a natural thing that happened. The greatest matches, I think, and I think it set the trend for Professor Russell today. It me, I do. You know, you're picking knocking your ass, somebody's got my opinion. Is all about this business, and I think that's what we did. We set the day's trip for tag team wrestling. But see, when you're in the ring, it ain't about what you do, it's the guy that you're working with. You know, you can only be as good as the person that you're in the ring with. And I know I've got the mic, and y'all gonna have to get the hook to get me <laughs> off here. But to me, it's just a great pleasure and honor to know that in my lifetime, that we did. The Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express, we made history in professional wrestling. You just said you made history in professional wrestling. I would agree with you as I think most people would. And as we're speaking, I kept on seeing you flashing that WWE Hall of Fame ring on that finger. And I've got the real one. You got the real one with the knockoff? My question is going to be, gentlemen, when does it get on your fingers? Well, it's not up to us. I think it's uh, the Hall of Fame we have now is, uh, is pretty much controlled and owned by Vince McMahon. So uh, if he wants you in it, you'll be in it. Um, Jim Cornette has a uh, habit of saying some things about some people that piss him off. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if he's pissed off the people in, in Connecticut or not, but you know, whatever. Whether, whether we get to the Hall of Fame or not, it's really, uh, to me, it's irrelevant. It would, it would be a great honor, especially to join our, our brothers here, to join them in it. But uh, I, I think in our hearts, and in our minds, and I certainly hope in your hearts, that you, you know that we are Hall of Famers, whether we get in the WWE or not. They said that our Hall of Fame couldn't be real. The 
we didn't have a Rock and Roll Express at that night. I did tell him, I said, and Midnight Express. But listen, guys, you know, it's going to be your turn. Uh, they have to be the greatest heel tag team ever in the business. Y'all agree with that? Sometimes Bobby. No, Bobby was great. Guys, I just don't understand. Now, I was not, not even, the, the, you know, the traveling, just getting into the towns. Nobody knew. We all, you know, we wrestled in Seattle, there's no interstates. We only had one. We went east and west, that was at the south. Interstate 10. Four or five hundred mile trips a day to, to get our job done and become who we are. We worked very hard at it. Uh, we put in miles. These guys put in the hours. Even though they're not Hall of Famers right now, they are. In my heart, they're more Hall of Famers than Robert and I are. That's what I mean. Do you have any questions from the audience? Right over here, Macho King. When Dennis left the team, how did Stan, how did you find out you were being brought into Team Bob? That's a very good question. We have the history up here. Two generations of the same team. There was a little bit of crossover at a certain time. I remember there was a feud between both factions. Why did the change come about? Yeah, I remember very well. Um, you know, they say timing is everything, and, and I had no control of this timing. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I was still a member of the Fabulous Ones, me and Steve Kern. And uh, we'd already gone to Vern's territory, the AWA. We'd come back to Tennessee. We stayed there for a while, and then Steve and I decided to go down to Tampa, Florida, and work for Florida Championship Wrestling. After being there for roughly six months or so, and the money at that time wasn't that great, uh, Steve's father-in-law was a big real estate developer down there in Tampa. So he came to me and told me that he was thinking about quitting the business, and he was going to go into real estate with his father-in-law. And I, I gave him my blessing. I said, yeah, go ahead. We're not really doing that much here. So Steve actually quit the Fabulous Ones team at that time, and for about a couple of weeks, maybe a month, uh, Stan Lane was, was a single again in Florida, was making, I don't know, four or five hundred bucks a week. Uh, one Saturday at TV, I was approached at the Sportatorium. I was approached by J.J. Dillon, and he said, uh, Dustin wants you to call him. And uh, I think at that time, I believe that Jim Cornette know this, I'm not as good about the business as he is, but I think, uh, that Jim Crockett had just bought the Florida Territory, but I could be wrong. So anyway, I, I called Dusty, and he said, Hey, man, I want you to fly up here to Charlotte. I want to talk to you. I got, got something to offer you. I said, Yeah, that'd be great. So I flew up there. Bobby met me at the airport in Charlotte. We drove over to the, the offices there at Jim Crockett. Sat down with Dusty, and he uh, proposed a plan. Uh, Dennis, had, I'll let him tell you if he wants to. He, he had, one of the reasons had to leave. And so he was gone, and uh, so they, they asked me about being interested in joining the Midnight Express with Jimmy and Bobby, and I said, hell yeah, I would love to do that. So that's how it, it all happened, the rest, the rest is history. Um, I never thought I was going to take his place, uh, but it just happened, you know, that's the way life is. You know, we all go on you know, different paths in our lives, we take a different road, and it leads us to a different adventure. And uh, it's funny because a lot of those roads We'll go off in a wild different direction and they come back together. Here we are right now, all the same states together. You know, once again, our paths have crossed again. And I'm glad to have. And what I'm going to say 
what, what an honor it is for all of us to be here for the for the, the Crockett Cup because we're all about, of course, tag teams. And the Crockett Cup is about tag teams. And I think we were there at the beginning, 86, 87, star games and stuff. So it's for us to still be remembered and brought back here to see all, all of our great fans again is truly an honor and a pleasure for us as well. So thank you for being here. The Rock and Roll Express are actually involved in the Crockett Cup this evening. Could go either way, the Chris goes, I've met him before. Ordinary group of guys right there. Is there any possibility we could see the Midnight Express one day making another run for something? Probably not. <laughs> that got shut down real quick. We're too old, we're too old. You know what you know, you've done what you've done, and I respect that. Question at the back, over here. I got too much As it wasn't common practice back at that time, how much did you guys actually get to hang out or talk or anything outside of the ring? Oh, God, let me answer that. That's a good question. Very different world we lived in back then. Uh, you know, fella, and I was saying earlier, our business was a sacred business. A lot of us here, Bobby, Stan, Robert, I, a bunch of guys, Tommy Rich, Michael Hayes, Terry Gordon, uh, we all grew up together in the business. And this is how much our business has changed. We never see each other until we got a room. I'm not here to insult anybody's intelligence. Our business has changed in entertainment. We still, from the old school, Sometimes we're still, that, that police in our head we can't leave. Never talked. But nine out of ten times, you got your finish in the match when you got into the ring. No serious. It wasn't about put your left foot in first, your right, what you say, how to say this, and how to do that. And, and this is what I'm trying to say, and I said this earlier for you to really understand the guys that we learned from. That's what I meant by Dennis here directing traffic. Uh, they gave us a finish in the ring. And it wasn't this or that, it's just who went up and who went down. Okay? Now you try to go out there, and nine out of ten of those matches won an hour. We, you know, an hour match. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying, how great this tag team is? Is it just to go out there and, and, and to do things? We didn't spend no time together. If we did, we got fired. Or you got, or you got fined, but not out of ten times. I mean, they were on the other side of the building. We talked to him. It cost you your job. And that's how sacred that our business was at the time. Thank you, Michael. Like you said, social media wasn't around back then. I can only imagine how impossible that would be in that day and age. Is there another question for either team? Yes, sir. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> well, that's what I actually just going to do. That's Kismet. Perfect. You, you got to give us your uh, most embarrassing moment with even Ricky when you really wanted to maybe strangle him. You were just watching him and telling me actually he doesn't fall off the stage when he was talking. So. <laughs> give us some dirt. I'll tell you a funny story one night. It was in Evansville. Ricky, my partner, Ricky and Bobby, were in the ring. 
and all of a sudden there's a bad smell in you, like smell in the corner where somebody come up. Right? So Bobby tags Dennis. Dennis steps in, got halfway, and Dennis stopped, turned around, and went over and hit Bobby. Bobby looked. I'm selling, I'm laying there, and Dennis walks over and he stops. So he goes back and he knocks the bottom out there. Okay, that's what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take it even further than that. This goes back to my first territory. This was Amarillo, Texas. Uh, Rick Flair just trained me, broke me in. In uh, January of 1979, I drove my car halfway across the country to Amarillo. And uh, Manny Fernandez was, was just breaking in at that same time, so he and I were booked a lot together uh, at the bottom of the car, and we would do like 20-minute broadways. Manny was a big, big tough, as you know, big tough, strong guy. He was, had some amateur wrestling background. But he and I had some very rugged matches, but we enjoyed it. But one night, <clears throat> and I was wearing yellow tights, uh, who would have thought that? But uh, I had an accident in the ring after a big body slam or something, and. It, it was even worse than what you did, so I said, I said, we gotta go home. We gotta take this home. He said, they weren't right with us. So we, uh, you know, we didn't get the finish uh, rather quickly, setting on 20 minutes. But, you know, those things happen, but as you've always heard, the show must go on. So we went on and, and did our finish, but then I went back and had to hit the showers because it was, it was pretty nasty. <laughs> this lady back here is going, mm -mm -mm. <laughs> It's frightening how many they stories you've heard are right? very similar to that. If you listen to anybody have a conversation, you don't think about these things when you think of wrestling, but things happen constantly and it happens more often than you think apparently. Do we have another question here? Yes. This one's to the rock and roll. <clears throat> Back in your territory days in Louisiana, whose idea was it? Or how did you guys get put together? Because I don't think, if I remember right, you guys were a tag team when you both first started wrestling, right? I mean, that's still a good question. How does the two of you find each other? Uh, I was a tag team where I started. Robert was a tag team with his brother. And to tell you the truth, this is how it all started. In Memphis, Tennessee, when I was telling you earlier, when a baby face, I was a territory. It's hard for another baby face to get over. Well, that was his tag team in Memphis, Tennessee. That followed in the footsteps of Jackie Fargo that were older, buddy. I mean, they were older. And when you're older like that, you piss a lot of people off in office. Uh, and it's sad. I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you know this. Uh, I was wrestling a guy named Ken Lucas in San Antonio, Texas. Robert was with his brother. And Jerry Lawler came to San Antonio and told me he was going to go opposition on Jerry Jarrett. He wanted to put me and Robert together as a tag team, but it didn't work. Because when Robert and I, and I gotta say, Stan and Steve Rowe, we played second fiddle. And uh, we waited there at the right time before we went to Louisiana. And then we got our break. Uh, but they put us together, Ricky, Robert, R, R, Jimmy Hart, played music. We're out front, we're trying to go 
think of names, uh, the Ricky and Robert, or the r r Express, and Jimmy Hart spoke in and said, what about the Rocker on Express? And I, and I remember that Law goes, are you stupid? I'd never get over it. Uh, but that's how I formed and, and it. And even say that's how we got formed, you know, because Jerry Lauber didn't like the Bible's <laughs> Did I put my foot in my mouth? Well, I'm just telling you the truth. You know, this is a drama in any uh, that's, that's the way it was, and I was saying, everything you're talking about, all of us, you got to get the right place at the right time. But at the right place is where all of things together. The right place is where we got out, and, uh, and another right place is where we deal once. We work no more, we wanted a booker that didn't lesson, and that's how we got the Rock and Rose book. Thank you. Good history lesson. Gentlemen on the stage, we're running out of time, but is there anything you'd like to add at the very end? Is everybody coming to the show tonight? Yeah. I was going to say, I hope they're coming to the show. Yeah. Are you pulling for the Rock and Roll Express? But listen, in our business, in, in our business, we depend on the fans. Uh, I'm not talking about Jim and Jack, the Leoff brothers, that's wrestling down here in front of 30 people. But when you come to the NWA, or when you come to Ring of Honor, and when you come to a, a very known organization, come out and support it. Because you're dealing with the best workers in the world. They're here that stride on giving you a good match. They stride on the best show at that time. It's even though that I'm 63 years old, I'm not here to impress any of you. If you want to impress me, I'm a shit of fruit salad. That would impress me. But when you step into the ring, but when you step into the ring, you were there tonight. Even though I'm 63 years old, I have most of you wondering what I'm still doing in the ring. It's what I still do for a living. It's what I love. And I promise you, Promise you this, you'll get 100% of what Robert and I got, and you know you will from the other guys. It's because all of us, and I say it with pride, we are the best in the world. Thank you. So I thought you guys would enjoy hearing some of that. If you are going to be viewing NWA Power live at 6.05 Eastern, 3.05 Pacific, why don't you join us at 2.05 Pacific or 5.05 Eastern and be a part of the pre-party, the NWA uh, Power pre-party show where we take your Q and A's and we talk a little NWA prior to the show, get you nice and warmed up. Also, if you're on Instagram, make sure you check out Tuesday with Jay as we document the journey on Tuesdays leading up to and after NWA power. So thank you for listening this week. I'm Jay Cal. You can follow us on all social medias at the Alliance blog, and uh, we'll see you at the matches.
Welcome into a new decade of professional wrestling. Welcome to the new era of the National Wrestling Alliance. Guys, we are entering the 72nd year of the world's largest, longest sanctioning body in professional wrestling. We're talking about the National Wrestling Alliance. We had three pay-per-views last year under the NWA banner. Guys, we have an episodic TV NWA power. Guys, we have a YouTube series called 10 Pounds of Gold that takes wrestling at a more serious and interesting look than anything the other companies have done. But you know what? None of this happens without one man. And no, I'm not talking about Mr. David Lagana, who puts in his heart and soul to everything he does with the National Wrestling Alliance. No, I'm talking about a former five-time world's heavyweight champion. I'm talking about Scrap Iron, Adam Pierce. Now, you guys are more than familiar with Nick Aldis, Strictly Business, The National Treasure, The Aldis Crusade, Tim Storm, and everything that led up to it with the 10 pounds of gold. But I'm talking about the man who coined the phrase Sweet Charlotte. No, no, no. I'm talking about the man who carried the 10 pounds of leather and gold with dignity and class at a time where the NWA was an afterthought. Scrap Iron Adam Pierce held the standard for a world's heavyweight champion as high as any wrestler could. And without Adam Pierce, I don't think the NWA would be around today. Uh, Certainly not to the level that it is. And so, you guys, the first interview that I'm putting up here from the vault in 2020, Happy New Year, is from 10 years ago. 10 years ago. With the one, the only... The incomparable Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. Check it out. 